With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Screen Heroes, episode 117. I am Derek, one of your regular weekly hosts. I have my other two lovely hosts with me, Ryan. Hello. And Ray. Hello. And we have our returning guest, Robert. Welcome back. Thank you. It's awesome to be back. It's been a little while. It has. School has kept me quite busy, but I'm done now. Education's important, kids. So, it is. Yeah. Um, so this week we are going to be talking about Solo, a Star Wars story, reviewing the film in all of its spoiler glory or not. Uh, we're going to talk news first before we dive into spoilers. Where would you guys like to start? The Roseanne debacle 2018. <laughs> debacle? Oh my god. So last night she makes a racist tweet. This morning she apologizes for it uh, very insincerely. Then she formally apologizes for it. In the meantime, both Whitney Cummings and Wanda Sykes leave her show. And uh, a couple of the actors pulled. And then she was canceled by 11 a.m. So she has also since been dropped from her agency. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's intense. Yeah. So, she's lost everything. Um, I know several networks have started to pull Roseanne reruns of the original show, including Hulu and Paramount. basically all of Paramount. Yeah. Um, so, which, just, I mean, that's pretty quick acting. <laughs> well, it just quick. goes to show you that ABC won't tolerate... Racism they can't profit off of. <laughs> we all knew she was a racist. Well, you know, it's still Disney at the end of the day. So if you're too blatant, then they don't have a choice is, is part of the issue there. Yeah. Um, there are lots of jokes that 20th Century Fox will just pick up the show to have it air right after Last Man Standing, which is Tim Allen's show. Which... After he made racist comments <laughs> so, a few years ago. So, so you know. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. Yeah. I never watched the new Roseanne. So I didn't either. I watched the first couple episodes and it was pretty funny. See, yeah. the thing is, her supporting cast has always been amazing. Oh, yeah. And the show is great back in the 90s. I watched it and I adored it. And I want these people to have good work and I like seeing them together. The thing is, like, she didn't just screw over fans here or herself. She screwed over lifelong friends people she's mm-hmm. known for 30 years and now they're out of they a job really doing much yeah i mean john goodman will always have work right yeah. and sarah gilbert always has a place on her talk show her daily talk show but and recurring role on big bang yeah right yeah, yeah. But, yeah a couple of uh, there's a few of them that are on big bang recurring but it's not like lacey gilbert is really doing it or lacey god i don't even remember her name i'm sorry it's not gilbert it's not. <laughs> okay. 
Um, yeah, I mean the whole the whole production is shut down, and when you look, you know, think about what goes into a TV show, you've got multiple writers, multiple crewmen, set people, costume people, just the crew in general that clean up the set whenever there's some crazy happening um, on the show. There's just a lot of people are involved, and um, a lot of yeah. people lost their job today because she couldn't just be nice. It is unfortunate for all of them. Very. Um, okay, well, in similar, no, none of this is similar, I guess, but uh, in other TV news, I guess the only other TV thing we have to discuss is The Walking Dead. Yes, Andrew Lincoln yeah. said he's retiring from the show. Not acting, just leaving the show after season nine. So. Also just in, uh, The Walking Dead is going to be ending at season nine because nobody cares about the show without Andrew Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> they killed off and Chandler Riggs. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say they killed off Coral, and without both of them. Spoiler alert. That happened what a season and a half ago? No, two, maybe that two happened like ago. two months ago. Did it really? Yeah. I didn't know <laughs> that. Was, that. Yeah, that was oh very recent. That's what we get for not actually watching the yeah. show. No, I that was really it in recent. Four. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was about to say I dropped it a while back. No, I have not dropped it. Uh, it's gotten to be a little bit rough, but I still enjoy it for the most part. But nobody, well, I shouldn't say nobody, the majority of the people that watch it are probably not watching it to see Norman Reedus, and he's apparently the one that they're making the lead of the show. But his character has always been a side character and has the personality of a side character and will not be a good leader, and I don't see a world that it's going to work in. You're kind of, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was like, you're kind of a lifer when it comes to shows, because you're still holding yeah. on the arrow, too. Yeah, when I... Gosh, if I get stuck in a show in the first few uh, seasons, then I'd try and stick with it. I'd always hope that it's going to get back to its former glory, and I just have trouble giving up on it. Do you think Fear of the Walking Dead will continue? Mm, I don't know. Honestly, I stopped watching that one. I need to catch up on it. Um, but this season, Morgan left The Walking Dead to go to Fear the Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. um, so there's been people thinking that they're going to meet up after Season 9 and Fear the Walking Dead will go away and become part of The Walking Dead. Um, but who knows if that'll happen or not. Interesting. Uh, It'll the just Walking be Walking Dead, Dead year-round. <laughs> Fear the Walking Dead was like the opposite of The Walking Dead where it was a little rough in the beginning but then has since gotten better and me not watching it has nothing to do with the quality of the show. It's just the sheer amount of shows I'm trying to keep up it's with. It's too much. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it has gotten better. So, I, I I mean, I don't think the viewer numbers are anywhere near what the actual Walking Dead show is. So, it wouldn't surprise me if it went away. Fair enough. But, we'll see, I guess. All right. Well, then on to movie news. Uh, Shazam Gate 2018. Shazam Gate! <laughs> Last week we talked about the uh, official, it's not really official, but the drop of the first we think is official thing that Zachary Levi shared on Instagram. It's official promotional material. Right, they haven't released it officially. Yeah. They I mean, it's on a billboard somewhere. Right, but where? Because there's no nobody yeah. taking pictures of the billboard. I'm sure it was just at an event. Yeah, it was like a convention or something. But yeah. in any case, uh, everybody's taking the picture from that and making memes out of it. And it's, and it's the so best great. thing ever. There's, there's <laughs> it's, the it's the most excited I've been for the DCEU ever. <laughs> They're the happiest memes I've ever seen. Like, they're so good in nature, and I love them. And even the director is sharing them. Yeah. Like, he made I, his yeah. own. I think my favorite one is, it's the BVS photo of Batman and Superman facing off at each other. It's all dark and gritty, and way in the background, it's just Sam drinking his, yes, whatever it is. Right. Oh, I love the Black Adam one where it's switched. Oh, yeah. Oh. It's the rock doing yeah. it. Like, oh, I'm, I am here for this. Yeah, yeah those are pretty stuff. fun. 
good stuff. I'm really looking forward to that movie. I think so. those are actually nobody seems to be doing it in like a way to make fun of the DCEU. Or no, like it's DC all movies. just good. fun. Yeah, it seems like it's good natured fun, which we haven't really seen anybody do with the DCEU lately. It's no, been uh, not really. It's been mostly people ripping on it, or or yeah. the people that just live and die by it. You know, swearing that it's good and nobody else understands it, but. Um, you got to be able to, to have a good sense of humor about yourself and sure. the fact that Zachary Levi is able to share these types of things and, you know, everybody else with the production is cool with it. Nobody's making a big deal out of it is, is good. That's how it should be. Like, this is a lighthearted character. It should be a bright, lighthearted type of movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people are enjoying this. So steer into it. Right. You know? Absolutely. They need to bank on this and like make all their posters have a white background so that people can easily <laughs> chop, chop it out and put in other things, you know, that'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's fun. Um, similar DCEU adjacent, uh, Zack Snyder has announced what his next project will be. If you don't know who he is, he was the director of, uh, Batman versus Superman and part of Justice League <laughs> and, um, and gems like Sucker Punch and the Dawn of the Dead remake. I actually don't mind. I'm gonna be honest. I don't mind the Dawn of the Dead remake. I, I love really, that movie. Oh, okay. I really like. Oh my god! I saw that movie actually. four times in theaters, and I was the only person who sure laughed at the dead sarcastically. baby. <laughs> like his, no. his Sucker Punch, calling that gem is being very, very. It's generous. a visually yeah. interesting movie. Sucker sure. Punch, visually, yeah, but. is what I imagine. Like, I don't know if he knew how bad Sucker Punch was for women. I had men tell me that if I ever cosplayed that, it would be legal to rape me. Like, I don't know if he understood how how bad, like, Sucker Punch just was for society. Like, it really was his masturbatory fantasy come to life. Yeah, he literally wrote it. And and that movie made everybody understand that he should not be a writer. Like, he should (laughs) stick to directing things that other people have written. Fair Um, enough. Uh, well, so he has signed on to do a adaptation of Anne Rand's The Fountainhead, which is a giant monolith thing that will be perfect. Is for it a his, graphic novel? His storytelling is not. Okay. It is I, not a graphic I, novel. I don't think it'll be going well for him then. So. Oh, Although it is something we'll somebody see. else wrote, so we'll see. Anne if he's Rand the one that adapts kind of it, though. <laughs> That's true. It's an, it's an interesting story, so I'll be curious to see what it looks like. Yes. Um, but it does kind of lend itself well to Snyder's um, kind of large Jesus scale complex. complex storytelling that he likes to try to oh. do. It's sometimes successful, it's sometimes not successful, but this story definitely is in that vein. I'll be curious to see what Jesus imagery he'll have in this one, because he literally has it in every movie. There's always a Jesus imagery in every one of his movies. Some Just, character that's either in the crucifixion pose Dr. or... Dr. Manhattan and Superman. Like, and that's no. not really his fault. Like, Superman's kind of had that type of archetypal... Dr. Manhattan Yeah, he really has. Dr. Manhattan was really a choice. Yes, that, yes, that, that was one, really a choice. That one was a choice. But Superman's, even though he was created by two Jewish guys, is has always had that archetypal thing in our lifetime. Yeah, yeah. but not, so. not like... Like masturbatory type uh, imagery on the screen on the big. I mean, screen. Superman Returns has some of those moments. Mm. Okay, I'm just saying. The only other modern super Superman movie. So, all right. Well, anyways, that's Zack Snyder. <laughs> uh, finally, on the other end of the superhero spectrum, Jamie Foxx is going to be the new Spawn. Super excited. I'm really excited for that. That I'm um, yeah, pretty Academy Accord, uh, really Award am. winner. 
You know, yeah. it's a big, it's a big deal, big casting. And I'm hope, I'm hope, I'm excited for the opportunity to actually do Spawn well. Because mm-hmm. let, let's be honest, once. Well, yeah, but let's be honest, they had the opportunity, but. I actually know this is just gonna again, again, yeah. I like the original Spawn as a movie. So Michael J. White and John Leguizamo were fun. They were good actors. The Violator was frightening, and Spawn was, you know, a very intimidating kind of character. However, the CGI just wasn't up to snuff, and that end scene, like all the scenes in Hell, were just awful to watch. Oh my god, like it was a little before its time. You know, the technology wasn't ready yet. But the technology was ready for other fun things. Space Jam was also done around this time, and it looked pretty seamless as opposed well, to. Like, Space cause... Jam looks like an Oscar award-winning film when you compare it to Spawn. But Bugs is supposed to look like a cartoon. The devil's not. <laughs> like, that's the difference, right? Like, Bugs looked like a cartoon, and that was what he was supposed to look like. You didn't want a realistic Bugs. Oh, you know? God, that would be the worst movie ever. Weird. So I'm not sure. That there's that's a lot there. of people that have made realistic Lola bunnies or whatever her name is since then, uh, since Space Jam came out, because apparently that True. made a lot of men realize their sexuality at a young age, <laughs> uh, their furry sexuality, maybe in this case. But are you speaking like autobiographically? No. <laughs> Reddit is a dark place. Reddit is a dark place. Speaking of, so I I discovered today that I am the only one at my office who knows anything about My Little Pony. And whose fault wow. is that? I mean, it's my own fault, really. <laughs> That's true, because when I watch the show, you're like, who's that character? What's she doing? <laughs> it's engaging. It's colorful. So you're going to watch color. the new Thundercats movie show then, huh? No, no, My Little Pony's animation is far and above what that Thundercats It's engaging and colorful, I'm That's sure. That's not, no. That's not, no. Look, John Delancey and Weird Al are in My Little Pony, and if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. What if they're going to be in the Thundercats show? Oh, then he'll have to do it. <laughs> he'll, have to get, he'll have to get back to me if they decide to do that. Because okay. then they know something we don't. That's probably That's true. So, All right. Well, that is it then for our news segment. We rolled through that pretty fast. We, we better did. talk about this movie a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we dive into spoilers, we'll go around and kind of give our spoiler-free take on the film. Um, what you thought of it. That kind of thing. Ryan, spoiler-free. Quick take. Um. I, I, okay. You, every time you look trouble. at me like we've never done this before. Because <laughs> you always start with me. And this one's a tough one for me. I have trouble separating the Star Wars fan in me and the critic in me. And I, I honestly walked out of the movie blown away. Um, I don't know if it's because I walked in with such low expectations of the movie. Um, but as a Star Wars fan, I really, really loved it. Um, there were some pretty huge problems with it that I'll, you know, that we'll talk about. But um, yeah, I. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I, I'm sad about all the hate it's getting online. Uh, spoiler free, to play off of that, I, I agree. I'm kind of uh, disappointed that it's getting a lot of hate, because I didn't have low expectations, but I had reserved expectations. I was kind of, I'm just like, mm, okay, well, let's see where this goes. I was really, really happy with it. Uh, I actually went back and saw it a second time in 4D, which was a lot of fun. Come on, writing, you know, I mean... They're close, 4D. Seriously, it's a good movie for 40. It's the water spray I don't like because I wear glasses. But here's, do you want to ride in a spaceship? I don't want water spray. (laughs) That's what they did in It, and it was really frustrating. Everything else is great. Where's Tom Cooper Helmet? Because I've done D-Box. I love (laughs) D-Box. D-Box is a lot of fun, but they're not spraying water on my glasses in D-Box. Well, I think it's worth it. I thought it was a lot of fun, but... 
Anywho, uh, I thought the movie was really, really well done, I thought. Uh, I, I loved it as a Star Wars fan and, well, almost being forced to be a Star Wars fan because my brother is a super Star Wars fan. <laughs> he really is. Uh, I, w- I, I loved it and I want to see more. I have to completely agree. I This was probably the movie I was looking the least forward to out of all the stuff that we... We all were. On our prediction yeah. thing, yeah. we were all like, this movie is going to flop, it's going to not be good and everything. So I loved it. I think just from an enjoyment, spectacle, sit-down, rewatchability, this might be my favorite Star Wars movie. And mm-hmm. I say that... Not being a Star Wars fan, getting into it because of the podcast is really when I've like gone back and watched all the films and everything, and just like I want to go see that movie again. I want to watch it in like six months in on my couch. I want to watch it next year. Like this is just very rewatchable for me. It's definitely my as a Star Wars fan. It's my favorite since Return of the Jedi for sure. So nice. like, I would not question yeah. that. Amen to that. Well, we seem to all be on the same page. Which, which is sad, which because is I was hoping somebody would hate it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, so for those who listen to the show, and of course you guys probably you know remember, I was really not interested at all in this movie. I wasn't, like, upset about it or anything, but I just... You called wasn't. it the most unnecessary film of the year. <laughs> I did. And I wouldn't argue with that still, though, at this point. And I will say, you know, kind of in a retrospect thing, because I wasn't anticipating people using the unnecessary, like angle in actual reviews of the movie because right. let's face it every movie is really unnecessary yeah. if it's a fictional story right yeah. <laughs> like if you're trying to do a documentary you're trying to tell a real history story those can be very necessary and important when it's a sci-fi fantasy film nothing's necessary <laughs> right okay as much as you might want it right. that's not necessary so yeah it's unnecessary just like every other comic book movie no you're right and... when you put it in that perspective so yeah yeah i think that's not the perspective that reviewers right. are coming from no I'll, I'll, but you know i just can wait let's you know we'll get into that but i yeah i was pleasantly surprised i enjoyed the hell out of this movie and just had a, a fun time i walked out of it just happy and feeling really good about it which was just great it was ple- pleasantly surprising like i said and uh very i felt so different compared to the last jedi so Let's let's dive into details here. Um, we're going to do box office numbers. So this is your spoiler warning now. So you can pause while we go over the box box office numbers. I will say that if you haven't seen it, you probably just should. I think it's definitely worth seeing. I think we can probably fully. agree on that. Oh, fully agree. Yeah. And especially growing up as a solo fan. Oh yeah, that was my favorite Star Wars character. So anyway, yeah. So box office stuff. A um, couple of things. The movie has not done great. I don't think it's done bad enough to be considered a flop necessarily. Uh, it did cross $100 million on the four-day holiday weekend, if you include Memorial Day. Which broke a record because Memorial Day is historically bad for oh, movies. But that record yeah, was it is. was pretty sad. Like, it, was. it was. It's not a big... I think right. the last one was The World's End, Pirates of the Caribbean or something like yeah. that. So it's not like it was a really hard record to break. But yeah, right. it was true. But yeah. it, you're right. It is... It is a bad weekend. It's for all a movie about perspective. Like Memorial Day sucks for movies. Everybody mm-hmm. is doing other things. They do not go see films. And you know, even giant blockbusters like the third Pirates of the Caribbean film didn't perform as well as they could have at another weekend. Mm-hmm. So, so it's it's basically averaging about twenty million dollars a day if you break it down. It made eighty four and a half over the three day normal weekend plus, and then one hundred and three. 
on the four-day weekend. Um, it added about another 70 internationally, so it's over. It's almost to 173, so by the time you're listening to this, it probably would have cracked 180, uh, which means it'll crack 200 you know, by, by the weekend, I would imagine. Probably. It's competition, you know, it still has a lot. Deadpool still made over $50 million. Infinity War still made over $20 million. Um, people are still going out to see those movies, so there's still a lot of competition mm-hmm. for Solo. Let's not forget that this movie also came out five months, less than five months after The Last Jedi, which makes it the quickest turnaround for a Star Wars movie ever. Um yeah. I don't think anybody was really prepared for that. I think the Memorial Day weekend was just proof that Disney did not have faith in the movie at yeah. that point. And so they released it on a weekend where they were really only competing with themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess Deadpool 2 isn't them, but um, still a Marvel property. Uh, so, I mean, I, it's not super surprising to me, but I think that this will change the course of how they do their releases now. And they won't do summer releases on Star Wars movies anymore. They'll go back to just doing winter, like, December releases, probably. Which will be smart. Yeah. And they have a big gap now, because Episode Nine is not for basically a year and a half. Um, it's a December 2020, uh, 2019, excuse me, release. Um, and so we've got plenty of time for that one, which will be interesting to see how things go. Um, from a budgeting perspective, it is the most expensive Star Wars movie ever made, mainly due to all of the reshoots that were required for it when Ron Howard took over. So it, it hit $250 million is the uh, estimated reported budget for the film. Um, the original was much smaller than that. Yeah, yeah, it was not supposed to be that big. I mean, Rogue One got $200. Uh, Force Awakens was the big one at 245 Even The Last Jedi got less than that. So this was not intended to cost 250 by any stretch, but... When you reshoot nearly four months of work, that's going to cost some money. Yes. So there it is. That's kind of the the details on that. So where do you guys want to start with the spoiler-filled review? Well, we should start on Corellia. No, definitely. Where the film starts. Okay. Lady Proxima was hilarious. (laughs) And she looked practical, at least until the sunlight came in, which was good. Yeah. Ron Howard shot most of the stuff with... I, I believe a lot of, at least the armatures, were practical. You know, it it was a, a combo. You know, I don't think he built She looked a rough whole... when the sunlight came in. Yeah. A little bit. But, and, like, started burning her or whatever. Mm-hmm. When the CG kicked in, mm-hmm. it started looking rough. But, yeah, when it was just her in the water or whatever, it was very cool, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the hybrid CGI model is kind of the big thing right now, um, which Star Wars has kind of been using for the last couple of films. Absolutely. Uh, especially with K2 and Rogue One. Um, yeah, I mean, the opening actually is my least favorite part of the movie. It After... was the least interesting part, I think, but it was necessary to kind of set up the film. Yeah, I, I think the movie immediately gets better after he and Kira are separated from each other. From that moment forward, I, I, I like the movie a lot more. That you're not the only one. A lot yeah. of the critics are complaining about the whole act one, basically. And yeah. How it ran. I didn't think it was horrible. No. Um, okay, I actually kind of enjoyed them showing the construction of starships. Yeah. So I thought that, that was, was cool. a, that was a nice touch, and just kind of the, the overhead shots of the you know this the city mm-hmm. wherever uh, on Corellia. I thought that I thought that was cool. So it had some nice visuals there to sort of show some of the underbelly. I guess you could say, of the Star Wars universe. I think one of my favorite parts of the entire film is the fact that it focused on the other dangers outside of the Empire. Han even joins the Empire just to get off of Corellia. So, yeah. you know, we're shown a completely different side of the Empire by not showing us much of it at all. And by focusing on the crime syndicates, on how just 
crappy a planet Corellia is and all these orphans running around trying to, you know, scrounge up metals and stuff just so they could eat the next day. Like, it, I, I don't know. I just, I enjoyed that part of Star Wars. And maybe I'm just a little exhausted with the religious aspect of everything. And How archetypal it all is on the in the Skywalker saga. I can see that, you know. Yeah, definitely. Because it is pretty on, like, right on the nose all the time. And this one very much wasn't like that. No. Um, how did you guys feel about the Emperor Recruiter giving Han Solo his name? And I was, I was, I thought it was a little on the cheesy side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, just a little bit. I, uh, but I don't know. It it, it could have been worse. Yeah. I mean, it, it it was not needed. I it just that part bothered me a lot because. There's so many other things you could have gone with. Han by yourself. Han right. alone. Like, any of those could have been suitable last names. Why Why Solo? No, I wish that was his, like, born surname. I wonder if it wasn't something that was just, you know, added to purposely be cheesy. Like, they were just saying, yeah, we're just going to go super cheese on this. Like, you think he should have Kevin Smith winked at the camera? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Ryan? I, uh... I think it was the worst, like, almost unnecessary thing since Bones in the new Star Trek movies. Where it's like, my wife took everything but my bones. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It was, it, the they both have a divorce. terrible, like, just let it go. You know, yeah. do we really need to know how the name came about? Like, yeah. like come on. 25 yeah, minutes, Ryan makes a Star Trek reference. <laughs> get the jar, I'll give it a dollar. But, uh, yeah, as far as Corellia, I didn't really get to say anything about Corellia, but um, yeah. it... I played it uh, as as a guy that's played a lot of the games in Star Wars, right? That's where a lot of my love for Star Wars came from. Seeing Cor- I've seen Corellia in several different games, and this was it was really awesome seeing it on the yeah. big screen. It brought a big nerd smile to my face. Like it looked just like like it did in the games, and like it did in my mind, uh, having read the books and everything. Uh, so yeah, I, I really loved the way Corellia looked, and for me, that gave it a little bit more of a pass on the, on the slightly boring first act because it wasn't really boring for me because I was like, ooh, 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 Corellian freighter, ooh, Corellian starship, you know, like, there was a lot for me to take in there, and uh, and so yeah, it was, I was okay with a little, it being a little boring because I didn't really feel that way as much. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, it did look really cool. And yeah. that's, that's one of the things that It's Star not something Wars you've really movies. seen in Star Wars before. No. Like, yeah. it's a place that's so run down. And they talked about how the orphans were going for portions, which is a tie-in to Rey and mm-hmm. uh, The Force Awakens. Uh, how she was, how many portions can I get for this droid? And, you know, things yep. like that. So there was some consistency there that I liked. And there was a lot of very small things in this movie that were like that, that I really liked that tied into the larger universe. Agreed. Yeah, very cool. I wouldn't necessarily call it boring. I think the movie just kept going up and up and up. It, it There was a lot of people that, that really did call it boring. That's yeah. what I was referencing. Yeah. Not necessarily what you guys were well, saying. Well, earlier when really we were saying that like it was our least favorite part, I think that's, at least in my opinion, it's because the movie just accelerated for me and got better and better. But I still really enjoyed Corellia, and I love, I love just... A, a villain that's easily taken care of. Like, Lady Proxima is a fun character now that we have. I want to see, like, cosplayers do it now. I want to see the, the 501st bust out Lady Proxima now. I, I'm waiting for those. Get on it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I found that that first part to just be kind of awkward. Like, 
you know, there's that part of me that wants to believe that, like, that was shot first and was, like, saved footage from the original version of the movie or something, and the actors just weren't quite comfortable yet, or Ron Howard was just better with them later on. I don't know, but it just didn't gel for me until the the time jump, basically. When it's three years later, all of a sudden everything just felt settled and a little bit better. So let's hmm. move forward to the three years later, and he's... Uh, well, he saves Chewie. We find out how him and Chewie meet. It's yeah. like kind of not as climactic a life-saving effort as I thought it was going to be. Really hoping I could actually see Chewie eat somebody? No, <laughs> not him, It was a but... weird thing that they were like, okay, they're implying that Chewie was literally killing and eating people in yeah. this pit. Like, okay. Like, that's not Chewie that I know. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That, was a, that was a really weird... Thing for me, I guess when you're starved, you'll do a lot. Sure, and they were forcing him to do it. But again, it's also like, why isn't he eating people late? You know what I mean? If you're well, maybe because he's not because he's not forced to anymore. Yeah, I guess it's just a it's just a weird like personality shift. Like he's instantly able to 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 go from being a, a killer beast. That is murdering and eating humans to a guy that feels bad about killing a porg and eating it uh, in in the Last Jedi. Other than the porg scene, we don't really see our main characters eat food in Star Wars movies. Right, eating proportions like that's it. Like yeah, so like we never really saw Chewie eat in the old movies. They never had a meal. We saw Java. Right, but like the main, our main core group, right, the Skywalker saga group, we never really see them. I mean, I don't remember. You see see Yoda eat, but he's not a Skywalker. That's what I'm saying. Like Luke, Leia, Han, Chewie, and he offers Luke some food. Yeah. You see Luke eat in A New Hope, and you also see him eat in The Last Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. And drink. So never when they're together. It's just when they're together, they don't eat. Yeah. It's okay. I'm too busy saving the galaxy. (laughs) Uh, I do want to bring up, and this started from the very beginning, I was throughout the whole movie, that that was a big negative for me, was the cinematography wanted to be awesome, but was not. Like, they needed to turn up the brightness. <laughs> yes! If they had was, just yeah, adjusted the brightness, it would have been awesome. Everything was way too that dark. That first scene, yeah. there's, I can't even remember, oh, when they're like running through the tunnels. It's literally dark, and you see like some little lights, and you, other than that, you don't know what's going on, going on, and I don't think that that was like an artistic decision that's a part of the storytelling or anything mm-hmm. uh like you know if they were doing it to add mystery to this scene or whatever but i don't think it would it added anything to it and the whole movie was dark mm-hmm. and i like it had a really westerny feel overall but but because it was so dark you lost it was kind of like Zack snyder's sepia filter right where it takes so when you when you get the bright colors it's adds to the universe mm-hmm. if we had had those colors in this it would have added a lot more but I agree. Hopefully I mean, we get the colors. Fix it. We get the colors later. You get Somewhere. it's yeah. still pretty dark. Like even throughout, like which is disappointing on considering the... how they marketed it with those bright posters and yeah. everything. Yeah. Well, because when when you when you see Kira later, when you're on um, uh, Paul Bettany's ship, Dryden uh, Voss's thank you. Yeah, yacht. that's all very bright and colorful and stark. You know, but then you go back to the planet where they get the the fuel refined or whatever, and it's instantly dark again you know, yeah. on a planet that's like a desert planet. So I mean, it's there's like a weird imbalance going on, and so I guess maybe I it's not through you. every single scene, but it is a theme throughout the movie that isn't like a storytelling theme. It didn't do, it, it didn't add anything. In fact, yeah. it, it took away in most scenes. So I agree with I think that. They need to move away from whatever the cinematographer was for this one. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. But sorry, I mean, maybe you don't, no. you don't agree, but... No, 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 I just so, I didn't really notice, I guess. I guess uh, we can talk... 
Go no, ahead. go ahead. No. no, no, why? No, I was just about to say, uh, I yeah, I agreed. No, uh, one other issue I had with the cinematography, I enjoyed the dice coming in, I just thought they were a little overdone. Yeah. Okay, well, if we're going there, then I'll just say that I think it's fucking ridiculous that every single thing that we needed to know about Han happened in a, like, two-week period. Like, we were curious about where he got his blaster, we're curious about the dice, we're curious about where he met Chewie, we're curious about... Uh, how he got his name? It's okay. The the name was three years, but uh, and the dice, and the dice. But uh, (laughs) but almost everything else happened to him in like this very short period, and you know the Kessel Run and all these. You know, there's so many things. It's like don't you have life identifying things happen to you in a short amount of time? That many? I don't know. I think that's possible. That's just movies, though. Like, when you look yeah. at any of the right, other but, Star Wars films, like, yeah, think of how much happens. But they also set up for a sequel. It's like, we don't need to... If you're if you're going to end your movie on a note that's setting up for a sequel, or they said they plan a trilogy for it, so... You know, or trilogy. You don't need to explain every single thing about the character. What do we have left to learn about Han at this point from the original trilogy that's a mystery for everybody. Well, I, I think there's, some of it has not to, anything. I think some of it has to do with they didn't know how the movie was going to be received and while they might want to do two more movies, if this movie doesn't make any more money, they may not continue with that plan, right? So they needed to kind of throw everything out there like they used to do with films in like the 90s. Yeah. Here's right? the like best. it was it ended like it could be a standalone movie, but yeah. they left it the potential for more movies. I mean, think okay. about it this way. If you if it wasn't a prequel, if it was just a new movie, we wouldn't be second guessing all of those little things because we don't know that they matter. Well, here's the best part about their business model now to do a, you know, canon inline numbered trilogy movie and then in canon anthology film. Um, they can wait for DVD and Blu-ray sales with this one before they make that call, before they have to start filming. They they get that luxury whereas you know, maybe Marvel wouldn't necessarily have it. They might have to move on to a different property or something if one of their movies didn't make the money they expected. So, at least they have that. Yeah, and since there's very little actor crossover, you know, they, they don't really have to worry about making movies at the same time. But, you know, Marvel does. Yes. Right? Um, no, I just... This movie, I think, is, is a good standalone movie that wants sequels, but it doesn't necessarily purposefully give you one see i don't i don't know if i agree because like the nothing was solved in this movie really it was like the story didn't really wrap up everything everything like his relationship with kira which is like the crux of the movie is not wrapped up well it's left on an open-ended note where she's like working for this Spoiler alert, Sith Lord. Well, by the way, that's different than their relationship, though. Their relationship is pretty tight. Right, but up. she just told him, I'll be right there, or whatever. I'm grabbing these well, jewels, the, and then he yeah, just left. Yeah, okay, no, but no, how no, would no, you no, think no. If, if somebody somebody told you, be like, I'll be right behind you, and then you watch them just abandon you? Yeah, her ship leaves. Like, so, that's it. Right, I'd be like, but that's not wrapping. All right, well. I mean, he knows that it's over. And then he, you know, like, he knows that it's over with her. He gets the Falcon at the end from Lando. He wins it in the card game. You know, and he flies off in the sunset with Chewie. Right, Tobias is dead, you know. So like, it's over. Everything's tied up nicely. Actually, at the end of the movie, I yes, the universe think. continues. Those characters still continue because not, they didn't die; they're still there. But the story's over, don't you think? It can be. I would be happy with a continuation. Mm. I would be happy if this was a standalone film, mainly because 
I got what I wanted out of this and a ton more than I expected. So I'm satisfied what they gave me. However, Kira is the most dynamic female character I've seen on screen in like five years. Her storyline is so interesting. I want to see her become a crime syndicate boss out of just the need to survive. You can tell everything she's doing has like a little bit of you know, adrenaline rush, like, she likes it a little, but she's also regretful a little because of how, like, seedy she has to be, and, oh my god, like, she is just so interesting. I want a Kira film now. It's the, she's I've, a survivor. I've never watched, or I haven't watched Game of Thrones yet, and I still intend to, so I'm not familiar with the actress, but, like, she was really great. I, I really enjoyed her character arc, and um, not just her as far as the women in the movie go, but yeah. Enfy's Nest, the, when that reveal yes. happened, you know, there's a lot of people talking crap on it and they're like, it's 2018, we're not surprised when a woman is a powerful character, but it's like, in Star Wars, we really haven't seen that. So for me, it was a big reveal to see this girl looks like she's 16 or something, which was age, a little weird. The age was what caught me off guard. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when I did not expect that, and, uh, you know, I think whatever that reveal was supposed to be, it worked for me, and I'm excited to see some more from her, too. She's one of the founders of, of uh, the Rebellion, as we know mm -hmm. it, from the original trilogy. So, um, you know, I thought that both of them were great, and I would love to see more from both of them, for sure. Yeah, I, I was... I had a big disconnect with Han in this movie, and we, uh, that was a that was a problem I had with it. But with her, she wasn't a character I knew already, and so yeah, I'm, I'd be much more excited, especially the fact she's working for, you know, the big Darth Maul, you know, reveal. Yeah. Uh, makes me very excited. I would love it if they went in a direction that focused more on her and less on Han personally. But I agree, and to your point about Infa's Nest, like it's not just that she was a woman; she's a person of color too, and. Let's face it, Star Wars is really white for the most part. Millions of people in this galaxy, and they all just happen, like, all these women just happen to be white with beautiful brown hair, and they all look like they came out of the same family, the same gene pool. So it's really cool to see other-looking characters. <laughs> it just, it makes it more interesting to me. I was immediately more interested than if, like, a white dude had taken off the helmet. Like, oh, well. I see those every day. I was hoping it would be Nicolas Cage, but... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Make him canon in, in the Star fairness, Wars universe. You're always Wait, hoping it's Nicolas Cage. Is he just playing himself? Yes. Oh, yeah. So Nicolas Cage I is in the Nicolas Star Wars. I want Nicolas Cage. Yeah. <laughs> um, Do you have any thoughts on uh, Kira before we move on to like Tobias and Val and the Arduinian? Sure. I mean, I, I wanted to talk a little more about... Chewie's story. Let's talk oh, Chewie yeah. then. Chewie. Uh, Chewie but but Kira, I thought Kira was absolutely fantastic. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Amelia Clark, so yeah. like I was really excited to see her in this movie, and I thought her character was really interesting, and she's got like the coolest stuff that she wears in this movie. Yeah, like, it was very mm. like 20s, not quite flapper style, but like it, it had some fashions that we've not seen in the Star Wars universe before, which I was a really like, big fan um, of. It was like futuristic 20s. And yeah, yeah, exactly. It, I thought it was more like the 30s with the gangster it, maybe, style it and okay. the some... um, the mob wives, like the way yeah. they look. I do want to say the the throwaway line that she did about how uh, what's his what's his name Dragon taught her uh, um, many things. Terrace Cassie specifically. Oh yes. I went, yeah. I looked at Derek and I looked at I looked at my girlfriend next to me and I was like. Like the video Is game. Is anybody else excited about this? <laughs> uh, because that was the first, in the movies at least, because I haven't watched the cartoons and whatnot. Ian would be a better one to ask that to. But in the movies, for sure, the first like canon validation that that's a thing. Because, sure, there was the game that I bought a PS2, I think it was, or PS1, whichever, to play. 
Um, but you don't still have that, do you? No, I know you want it. But I uh, can't find that game anywhere. It's not that. It's not that good. It was. I, it was awesome when I was a kid. It's but not the point. It's a Star Wars fighting game. It is, <laughs> and it's not canon, also. But I think that was the first acknowledgement in any movie. I know that was the first acknowledgement in any of the Star Wars movies. Yes, that it was. Uh, that it's a canon thing. So I. I was so happy. I wish you would have looked at me because you would have seen the huge smile on my face, like hoping somebody else caught it too. But. Uh, and she's not the only one. I think uh, somebody else mentions Terrace Cossie later on. I think so too. Uh, I thought I heard it twice. But it's mm-hmm. that was that was a huge high point yeah. for me in the movie. Well, that whole fight between her and uh, that was great. Dryden yeah, it was pretty cool. It was not. We haven't really seen like a lot of martial arts type, mm-hmm. and so this is a Star well, Wars specific martial art, you know? especially yeah. when it's not Jedi. Right. There right. are no lightsabers, no Jedi, no Sith. Just two like non Force sensitive people fighting, yeah. which you never get to see, and that was kind of cool. It was really cool. And yeah. to be fair, we don't know that Dryden is not force sensitive of some kind, but yeah, it's not I mean, shown. He's yeah, not using it. He as doesn't a use it at all, thing. and he gets skilled. He does have vibro blades, so. which is which is interesting. But yeah, yeah I did I think like that's the what they were supposed to be. I I would think so. We haven't really seen him much in the movie. Universe. It was like a way to be like these are kind of like lightsabers, <laughs> but they're for normal people that can't handle a lightsaber. Yeah. Um, but no, the the, the Chewy thing I wanted to talk about earlier was just that um, in my head, you know, Chewy the the whole talk of Chewy kind of owing a life debt to Han, and that's why he is around and things like that. I guess I always assumed it was going to be a more epic kind of life saving event, saving and, him from the slavery of the Empire isn't a life saving event. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing. He didn't save Chewie to be the nice guy. He saved Doesn't Chewie matter. to not die. It's a life dad. Yeah, I know, but that's But not... at the same time, they built a relationship. They became sure. close. Yeah. And... It wasn't love at first sight. They developed it. Okay? <laughs> Although I will say that Han speaking, uh, Wookiee, so was great. Good. I, I loved it. That was it was awesome. ridiculous. So good. Yeah. I want to like that scene. Really? You didn't like that? It, it's because it was so ridiculous. Because humans can't make those noises. Well, that's what made it funny. Because right. he was doing it. But with that means though is this Chewie shouldn't understand him it's like when you bark at your dog but if you, <laughs> you at the same time if you read the subtitles it was broken yeah it was really broken so he's he, obviously communicated with Wookiees before so. yeah I know so just he just work. he was able to do enough to get his point across so we talked a little bit about this with Ian over the weekend I shot uh, Costume Couture and so we discussed a little bit about the Wookiee storyline on Kessel and freeing them from it and uh, Derek and Ian discussed that uh, they thought the Wookiee who he uh, met up with was the one from the Star Wars Christmas special. No, uh, I'm pretty sure it was. Actually. Was a completely different uh, species because its face uh, had no hair, and we all came to the fan theory canon that uh, it was because he was so malnourished shit might have just fallen it's probably, off. Probably. Because he, he, he looked super skinny. Yeah. Well, the, all the Wookiees on that planet looked really yeah. tiny. That Wookiee looked fine when it got out in the daylight. It was in the caves where the sh- the sh- like the lighting was really bad where I thought it that's looked like point. a totally different species. Okay, that's Lumpy from the Star so. Wars Christmas special. <laughs> Tell me that that's not the same Wookiee. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's Lumpy. It's not. That's his name, Lumpy. Um, who was the actor in that? Wasn't know. there a famous actor who no was idea. that? Who okay. played Lumpy? I don't remember. Not you. <laughs> oh. I would need to know the name of the character. 
<laughs> I'll look it up uh, while we talk okay. about. I did get a kick out of it, though when Han when Han was like, "Hi, I'm a friend of Chewie's," and he patted him on the head. <laughs> 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 I was like, "All right, that's cute." I mean, I love Wookies, right? Oh, like, yeah. I would love to see a movie with a bunch of Wookies and then just subtitles. I'm see, fine that's with that. Mm-hmm. I want it's like that a would be awesome. Film. Right? Just yeah, like in, in the, that prequel when they actually showed the battle on Kashyyyk, I was like, I was sitting there going, Wookies. I was all about the Wookiees. Yeah, and honestly, the dynamic between Han and Chewie was really great in this movie. And I feel like they gave us a lot of it, but they should have leaned on that more. Uh, because that was the most believable, probably probably the most believable relationship for me in the whole movie. They yeah. did it really well. And, you know, for Alden, he's a, a newer actor. It's not easy to act against something like that. And I thought he did a really good job. I thought yeah. they just worked really well together. Yeah, there was, I mean, the chemistry was there. The same chemistry that I felt like Han and Chewie had in the original trilogy, so, you know, mm-hmm. I yeah. was good with it. Um, Alright, so other characters, um, I guess we have L3. L337. Yeah. My new favorite droid. L3. Which is, is uh, that cracked me up. There was that like a lot of little, uh, little, like, elbow jabs to people, and L337, if you are familiar with, like, early 2000s gaming, was... Leet speak was what it was called. It was a uh, gaming, uh, gaming subculture of language where you would pl- place E's with threes and T's with sevens, and it was like the elite was shortened to Leet, which was L three three seven. Yeah, and so the fact that the droid was named that was a funny thing to somebody who <laughs> lived through that, that time period and played a lot of games. Um, I think that droid was a little overcooked, if I'm being honest. Um, like it was funny, but. It's, it's, it's the same problem we had with uh, Rogue One, where this droid is so much more advanced than anything, anything from the original trilogy. How does this even exist? Why are they even using R2 units and uh, and protocol droids like C-3PO? <laughs> they have droids that can move like a human way better, you know, as good as or better than a human, and are way yeah. smarter. The C-3PO thing is weird, because, like, if you think, oh, well, Anakin built him as a kid, then it makes sense. But when you realize that there's other ones of him throughout being yeah. used by, like, the Empire... And not only that, <laughs> Anakin built him, like, way before this movie came right. out. So it's... So, like, when you see, like, the silver one or whatever, you're like, well, wh- why is this still being used yeah. when L3 is an option? Because if you say, well, L3 was made 20 years after C-3PO, you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But, yeah, no, you're, you're totally right. It's a consistency problem. The concept of the, of, of the social justice droid, the SJD, if you will, uh, was, <laughs> was definitely funny in its own right, but I think they went a little overboard with it personally. Like, it was funny, and I still laughed at everything, but I, I don't know. I guess I didn't find the droid quite as charming as everybody else. I did think it sounded like the actress that plays Captain Phasma is who I thought voiced it, because oh, no. Gwendolyn Christie, because they sounded... No. There, there are similarities to their voices. Yeah, I mean, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Right, I know it wasn't yeah. her because my girlfriend looked it up right after the movie uh, and uh, and told me because she thought you wrong. No, she thought the same thing. She thought <laughs> gotcha. it sounded exactly like Wendell and Christie. But I, I, I liked what she was doing as a character because it's something that's overlooked in Star Wars that we've talked about before, where you basically have this giant. This giant sub-slave culture going on that nobody seems to have a problem with, mm. you know, and except. That once she is, you know, no longer alive and functioning, they basically enslave her in the Millennium Falcon at no choice of hers. It, it's a weird thing, right? Yeah, because it's a bizarre. you're supposed to be like, oh, it's cool, she lives on the Falcon, but then it's also like, 
cool. She had no choice about that and is now stuck in the fog. And it's also, you know, the throwback to the line about the Falcon having a unique voice or whatever later on in the... Uh, a unique voice and so- something about an attitude. Yeah, or an attitude like that, yeah. in the original trilogy, which I could have totally done without if they had just not done that. But, yeah, I mean, that's a weird thing. I don't really understand... You know, they were trying to go... Also, it's like they were making fun of social justice warrior type people. Yes. Which is kind of weird. Do you think so? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all the jokes were made at the... Ex- the droid, We weren't laughing because... Well, uh, but she was successful. She wasn't making jokes. Show. I thought like, it was also just kind of a jab at all the people who were like... Um, when they announced Jin and they're like, we get it, guys. You want sure, like, another woman. It. Like, this is ridiculous. Star Wars is about dudes and... So I I thought that was what it was really this it, it, yeah there was of. definitely uh, yeah all the people upset that there are women in this galaxy finally. right but did you need to make a whole character that whole their whole arc was she's just here to and stick it to gone. the fanboys you know I mean she's uh, here and she's gone pretty fast she so seems satirical not, I mean yeah a little bit but not not in a bad way like I thought it was trying to make a point and I don't know if I could have dealt with it. For the movie. rest of the movie, yeah. but at the same time, I thought K two S O got a little annoying after yeah, a while too. too. Like you're cynical. Like that's the problem with droids; they only give them a one dimensional personality. And it, there's no consistency between like the technology levels in any of them, well, yeah, which is yeah, a problem. We've really only had what three droids that could talk, that can speak. Like, like English, English common, right? whatever they call yeah. it. Yeah. So that's it. That's all we've really had. Everybody else is beeping. Well, there's a like reason that. why. So, there's a reason why C-3PO knows however many languages he knows to communicate with all these different droids because apparently only like <laughs> two other droids in the universe that we happen to have movies about speak English. So, but that that's kind of my point, though. So you end up with like these characters get exaggerated personalities because they're speaking for all droids, and they only have right? one-dimensional personalities. You know. But, yeah. C-3PO is the uh, neurotic one, and <laughs> K-2SO is the cynic, and L-337 is the, you know... Revolutionary. Social, the revolutionary. Social, Social justice, justice droid. droid. Yeah. No, so it's, it's, it's true. And only one of them survived a, a single movie. But so. he also had somebody else to work off of. We didn't have to listen to him the entire time. And let's face it, out of the original droids, nobody says C-3PO is their favorite. <laughs> so, I gotta ask, how do you guys feel about Lando and L-337 possibly boning or Love whatever that. it was? That I thought it was hilarious. Whatever, I'm fine with it. I mean... Derek has it's... told me on multiple occasions he would screw a robot if he could. That is not what I said. Wow. <laughs> I am paraphrasing. Okay. I am to make me sound as bad as humanly possible. It like, worked. Thanks, I asked hun. him... <laughs> If he would ever have sex with an android, and he said That's yes. That's the clip for our advertisement, by the way. <laughs> android and generic robot, not quite the same thing. Well, there are... Droids are somewhere in the middle, but even. Here's the thing. There are sex robots right now. They can't consent, therefore it's not really fair. Wow. <laughs> but... <laughs> Can a thing that's not sentient... It's the joke, okay? Like, my point is... Because my car doesn't consent to taking me to work, either. All right, so we haven't talked at all about (laughs) Woody Harrelson or... uh, Yeah, we've got several other... Or Paul Bettany. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think we need to. Paul's vision looked weird. weird. Huh? Tough. Nothing, never mind. Um, Did you say vision? Yeah, that was... That was not a good joke. Uh, So, Dryden Voss. So, the things on his face... I didn't know he was going to be in this, Paul Bettany. No, I had no clue. He wasn't in any other promotional material. He so, was a recast. 
Oh, okay. He wasn't in the original cut of the film. I'm drawing a blank on the actor's name who was. I apologize. But when they were restarting production schedules, that person was no longer available due to a scheduling conflict, and they had to recast the character. They went the right direction. Yeah. yeah. So as far as your totally question weird. about whether they were scars, it's tough. In the, it's just like the Star Trek universe and, and Star. You know, all any of these alien universes, it's tough to know if they're scars or if like it's a like a Worf scenario, a Klingon scenario. You know, or something what, along were those you lines. born that way? Or yeah, is that like a genetic trait? Because there's a lot of creatures and, and races in Star Wars that have you know, tiny little things that are different, just like in Star Trek, tiny little things that separate from This is so weird for me. This is surreal. We, we've been doing a Star Wars podcast, and Ryan has three times brought up Star Trek. Well, I mean... It's, <laughs> it's comparable. Yeah. It I, mean, very I comparable. haven't brought up Star Trek. You haven't, no. no. I'm filling in for you right now. You're not wrong. and that's I'm the, not talking trash on Star Trek, too. I, want to I, know, I know, I know. If those are scars, that's a huge character development. Right. You know, if yeah. something just scratches the crap out of your faith, you... I'd say it's probably not scars if I yeah. had to guess, but I don't really I don't know of any races in the Star Wars universe that have That's fair. facial features like But then that, again we're constantly like, seeing new yeah. races that you've Even never seen. Even in this before. movie, there's yeah. whole new creatures, which I thought was awesome by the way. There was a lot of just new stuff in this movie. But it wasn't yeah. as annoying as in The Last Jedi where you could tell they just wanted to make toys. The throwbacks yeah. the throwbacks to the original yeah. movies in this were done. I thought in a way that was more tasteful mm-hmm. than it has been in previous movies where it's like in your face, it's like, look, this is the same character as Yoda or, yeah. you know, something like that. It's one they were like background okay. characters. You know, you saw Rodian, is that, that, I think that's what Greedo's race. I yeah. Think yep. In the back, the you know, rebels. you haven't really seen a lot of those. Um, you know, and there's some other, cre- like in uh, Rogue One, you got the guy that chops off, gets his arm chopped off or whatever. In that one scene, he says, I don't like you or something like that as a throwback. It's like, come on, we don't need that. There's no reason that guy should have been on that planet. No, it's like it's just pure fan service, and they had fan service in this one. I think the big difference with this movie for me is that, and the reason why I like it more is because it was like a love letter to fans versus Mm -hmm. like it wasn't insulting. Yeah, I don't know what I was going to compare those to, but this felt more like a love letter to fans than like an in your face reference fest like a lot of the other movies have felt. I think Rogue One, they, they probably just were nervous. They're like, well, this is the first Star Wars movie that's done during the era of the original Star Wars movies, so we have to throw in as many references as possible to show them that we understand when this movie takes place. But this one, they, yeah. were, they were clearly nervous about this one, too. So. Yeah. yeah, For totally different reasons, though. Sure, but yeah. I mean, it's still, there's still nerves on it. I don't know. I think that, that the way they did it was very respectful and, and it made an original trilogy fan feel very good about the way they handled things that I love. So So we are getting close on time, and there's two major topics I still want to talk about. They both involve Lando, so we haven't discussed Lando at all. We haven't. We haven't. So how do you guys feel about him? I loved Lando. I thought he did an awesome job, and at times he actually kind of sounded a little bit like Billy D. Williams. Yeah. (laughs) Like he actually got a little bit of the voice going. so, So I was impressed, and just the cockiness of him was pretty cool. I love the acknowledgement that he always said Han instead of Han. Yes. So funny. That one, <laughs> to I hear him so say condescendingly, like, because it looks like a mistake. It looks like they never pulled him and Carrie Fisher aside and been like, okay, no, this is how you say it. Yeah. And here, it's perfect. You know, like, a name is really all you come in and leave this world with. So mm-hmm. if somebody disrespects you by purposely pronouncing your name incorrectly... Then that's huge, you know. That's so insulting. So this was great. <laughs> I didn't love Lando as much as everybody else did. I felt like he was doing a really good impression of Lando, and not 
Like, I never bought into the character. It was the same problem I had with uh, with Alden as, as Han Solo. I just felt this disconnect. Like, I just could not associate them with the classic character. And, and it's a problem with me. I get that. Not with not with the movie, they didn't couldn't do anything about it. But I did, I felt like he was just doing an impression of Lando and not actually acting. If that makes any sense, I don't know. Like well, acting is kind I, of doing an impression in general. But I mean, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they were basically coached to be those actors, right? Be Harrison Ford, be Billy D. Williams. Well, Harrison Ford was on set, yeah. so I mean, <laughs> advising for his own character. But yeah, you might be right. You're probably right. Just you there. Probably did a little bit. And for the record, that whole story that came out that Alden had to have an acting coach because he was so bad, it's not true. They had an acting coach for him and Donald Glover so that they could mimic the performances as much as possible. So it wasn't like because they sucked. It was because you really have to do this in a correct way. And it still wasn't enough for some people. Yeah. I mean, they. I think I still think they did a good job. But yeah, you're right. They wanted to coach them because these are beloved characters played by legendary actors. So who have their own mannerisms, their mm-hmm. own tics, their own onomatopoeias, everything that comprises them as people. Yeah. So you get two big pieces of information. You get the card games. Mm-hmm. That and, was cool. And you get the Kessel Run. And so I wanted, that was completely unnecessary. I wanted to talk yeah. about both of those. So how do you guys feel about the being two different card games where Han has to basically beat Lando at his own cheating game in order to win the Falcon? I will say, as somebody who's just, you know, has a brief understanding of everything based on my limited knowledge and not diving into the expanded stuff, I liked how neither one was presented in the way that I thought. This entire time, I thought the Kessel Run was just a simple race. And I thought that we were going to watch, like, one hand of poker and that be it. And the fact that it... it... It's a No, I, I'm poker. sorry. Like, before this... <laughs> oh, okay. No, no, no. I knew what the name of the game was. I was making it, like, before this. Sure. This is how I went into sorry. it. No, you're good. Um, so that's... I like that it was presented differently. And, you know, let's face it. Most of the Han and Lando interactions come from those two scenes. So... It, you get a lot of characterization in just those two scenes, and that's nice for me. I like that it was two two different games and not just the one game. Because yeah. I, I was like, you know, I don't really need to see Han win in a card game, get the Falcon. Like, I believe that it happened, but that's not how they did it. It wasn't just a normal game that he won. There was, you know, Lando's cheating, and then mm-hmm. Han finds out that he's cheating and figures out how to cheat back. And you know, he I, didn't cheat back. Well, he I mean, stopped him from cheating. Okay. Yeah. He still did it in a deceptive way by stealing the card from Lando. Right. So that he couldn't cheat, yeah. Right. But I'm just saying... That's not cheating, though. No, but he stole something from Lando. True. But they're all... I mean, they're smugglers and... Which is why I said they both did deceptive things in the game. They're smugglers, they're scoundrels. (laughs) Right. And so I like that because it it kind of... It showed them on somewhat equal footing. They're both very good at their own game, Mm -hmm. right? Um, so I thought that that was a fun experience, and it gave the two characters a chance to talk. I mean, I know it was a lot of kind of exposition type things, but it was a good excuse for it. No, I mean, I liked the games; they were fine. I, they didn't really stand out as my favorite part of the movie, but yeah, there was some good character development between the two of them, good interaction. The Kessel Run, though, I didn't need this. It was cool, right? Like, but it I, wasn't what I pictured, and like Rachel was talking about, and I don't think it was really necessary to show the Kessel. I think there's a different way they could have done uh, taking the story, right? It didn't have to be the Kessel Run in the story. 
Which, I mean, you're, and I agree, you didn't have to have it, but at the same time, I like how they portrayed the Kessel Run as not just a race. Mm -hmm. Because why would a freighter just enter a simple race? Let's be honest, it's not a racing vessel. Because it's the fastest Okay, fair enough, fair enough. But still, I I, I like that there was a little more to the Kessel Run than just a simple race. That's a personal thing, but I kind of liked it. I like how it wasn't actually 12 parsecs either. That it yes. was like, it is a yeah. get round down. And like, that line was fun for me. Which connected to The Force Awakens when they said, oh, 12 and a half, 12. You yeah. Know. So, yeah. That's good. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in, somewhere in between where I like what the Kessel Run ended up being, but it did kind of seem very shoehorned into the story. I like just seeing Kessel. Like, that, that planet was awful. Who wants to live on that mining planet right. surrounded by a constant storm? The air looked poisonous. I don't know. Like, just this air of sulfur. I have no idea why there weren't dead bodies everywhere. But... <laughs> might as well have been. Right? Mm-hmm. Was there aliens? <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm, quite. Uh, quite. Uh, but I, I, I liked what the Kessel Run was. I appreciated that they finally explained it. Because let's, let's face it. In the original movie, it was a mistake. To call to say twelve parsecs, they that was just an error, and they've managed to retcon it over the years and fix it, and I appreciate that, you know, because uh, mistakes happen, and there are some there's cause to fix some of them, not all of them special editions, but uh, I liked the Kessel Run. At least they can, because no one's fixing twenty thousand leagues under the sea, which is you know a length and not depth measurement, so. Literature joke. <laughs> <laughs> but um. Um, let's talk Maul. Ray Park and Sam Witwer were back. Ray mm-hmm. Park did it in Phantom Menace. Sam Witwer has been voicing him in Rebels and Clone Wars. And so seeing him back, no longer a Darth, he's just Maul. And just like that, that's how you have to say it. I don't know how to do the voice. I don't have testicles. Just stuff. Maul. Like, I was just call him Maul. I was oh, going to yeah. do a voice. Maul was really cool. It was fun to see him and his robot legs. Yes. <laughs> it's a risky operation. Yeah, totally well, worth it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it was it was definitely cool to see him. I'm sure it was a surprise to a lot of people who, because I would imagine I the no average fan doesn't watch happen. the cartoons and may not know that he's still alive. Oh, um, that part was... And the surprise for me was that he showed up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but I think, like, I, I would imagine the average moviegoer just assumes he's been dead. Yeah, they were probably very confused. Right, so like, then all of a sudden here's Maul, and yeah, he's got robot legs, but maybe you didn't notice it because you weren't looking. Like, I had no idea. I, I wasn't even paying attention because I was more concerned with who's under the hood than what their legs are. <laughs> right, so for me, I, I've seen Clone Wars, but I haven't seen Rebels, and so I didn't I didn't know he went from his spider legs to like n- relatively normal robot human legs, so that was surprising. But uh, interesting to bring him back in, especially have it be Ray Park, because that implies that they have plans for the character. But well, yeah, the not. Obi-Wan movie. Right? Mm. But the problem with the Obi-Wan thing is the way Rebels handles Darth Maul and Obi-Wan. So, what, you mean where he dies? Yes. But that doesn't happen Again. until like right before... A new home. Yeah. Right. So, so they have nine years of time Of there. more fighting. I yeah. know, but it does, you know... You have to be careful of the context of that final fight versus, you know, where he is now. That's I don't think he's the final that. fight yeah. on screen. Like, we, I've seen clips of it, 
in Rebels, and animation's great, but I still want to see it acted out. <laughs> but Sorella Guinness is not going to be doing that. Well, it would have to Sir be Alec McGregor. I mean, uh, but yeah. obviously in the cartoon, it was uh, Sir Alec Guinness-looking Obi-Wan. Yeah. Not well, but, McGregor. Well, you just age him up. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just hair white. No one's going to even care. Yeah, you just age him up. I mean, that's fine. You say that, but you know Star Wars fans, so... They're so toxic lately. Like, yeah, you can't are. please them at I all. I think fans in general are toxic lately. You're though. not wrong. You're not wrong. Well, Bruce Wayne 20 I was very excited and, and surprised to see um, yes. Maul. So, so was I. Yeah. And so like the whole time he was on screen, I was like trying to pick everything apart and take it all in and figure everything out. And so I looked at his lightsaber and I was like, that is not the same lightsaber no. he had in Phantom Menace. So oh, I went and cool. looked it up and it's the same one that he has in the TV show. Nice. Um, it has like a yep. cool claw over the end. And I actually liked the way uh, his lightsaber looked in The Phantom Menace. Yeah. Because it was the first yeah. time seeing a double blade. everybody yeah. liked it. That scene was just the cool. But when you get into like some of the games and stuff, specifically like Star Wars The Old Republic, where there's a ton of different skins for the double blade lightsabers, there's a lot cooler designs out there than what we saw in The Phantom Menace. So seeing sure. one that had some other uh, like little extras on it was really cool. And the fact that they kept kept it uh, in continuity with where he was in this time period and what he was using. Although there was no reason to show it, that was completely unnecessary, except oh, to make well, sure you could yeah. say a lightsaber has ignited in every Star Wars film. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure, I mean, don't get me wrong, like, I'm sure somebody had that thought, but I saw it more as just like making sure everybody knew that it, just, it was Maul and not just some other person that looks like him. Okay. I completely forgot about the great scene with Darth Vader in Rogue One. I was trying to recall where that was. Yeah. My God, that was the best. It's one of the best scenes of any scene of any Star Wars movie. Yeah. Unnecessary to the plot, really. But yeah, we've talked about that scene, I'm sure. But and see, in this film, Darth Maul is unnecessary to the plot. He really is. But hopefully. It's not unnecessary later. He was, yeah. I, I, I can see that. But, I mean, also, yeah, he was kind of necessary for if they were going to set up a sequel. Yeah, exactly. uh, that's, it was clearly, like, more of a stinger scene, mm-hmm. like what yes. they do with Marvel movies. Absolutely. But I was okay with it. I did not expect it at all, and it, I was super excited. I came out of the theater with a huge smile on my face yeah. after seeing that. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, to your point, you know if this was an MCU movie, that would have been a post oh, credit yeah. scene. Yeah. Right, but Star Wars just doesn't do those, so they had I, to have it in I movie. appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> we did stay... Just in case. Yeah, I did the first time I went. Just yeah. in case. But yeah, yeah, so if you ha- you know, if you haven't seen it yet, you don't need to wait. There's no post-credit scenes. Uh, fun cameos by Warwick Davis and Clint Howard as well. Clint oh, Howard's yeah. older brother, Ron Howard, and Ron Howard has put him in all of his movies. Mm-hmm. You know, just Warwick Davis uh, played the same character, I believe, in The Phantom Menace when yes. during the pod race. Oh. Um, he was up by Jabba. Nice. Somewhere, but yeah. Anthony Daniels was in the movie too, not as C three PO. Anthony Daniels was the Wookiee, was uh, his Wookiee friend. That's who I was thinking. Oh, okay. Wumpy? Yeah. Um, no. So then, okay. So that's John Favreau. That's tack, I didn't tack, realize tack. John Favreau was in the movie. Yeah, um, he was a little forearm. Right. I did not get his Arduinian. voice from it. Arduinian. 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 Yeah, I did not get. Arduino. Like, I didn't recognize his voice that's exactly, at all. I think he had some great lines in the movie. By the way, he was fun. Uh, no, like, I, I knew, like, I'm like, I know this voice. This sounds so familiar, but I couldn't place it. So. Yeah, because he doesn't do a lot of voice work, so it's not like I went, Happy yeah. Hogan! Right. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say, too, that I think it's interesting that, um, when you look, I'm going to bring up the DCEU again. Do um, it. when you look at, like, Justice League, where they had troubles with the director, and had it switched in the middle, and everybody's like, what was a Snyder scene? And what was a, what was a, uh, uh, 
the other Whedon scene. And, you know, they're like, we want the Snyder cut and everything else. There was nobody really going, what was uh, Ron Howard's scene and what was... uh, Although you did mention earlier that you think that maybe some of the early scenes were from the I'm only thinking that because it's possible. Because it's just because they totally feel disconnected from the rest of the movie. But it would also not be fairly normal for the beginning of the movie to be shot first. That's pretty rare, too. So I think it's just... It just feels disconnected for me. So um, because I know there are other directors I'm making that leap... Uh, Ron Howard got the sole director credit, yeah. which means you know he and, and he had directed. They, they said like se- at least seventy percent of the movie ended up being his, um, which is not the case for Justice League. It was much more split in Justice League, so you know it's it's difficult. It's, the fan base are just as passionate for the two, although they aren't passionate about the guys that directed the Lego Movie probably as they are about Zack Snyder. Yeah, he's a polarizing filmmaker in general, anyway. So that, that's probably a lot of it, and so is Joss Whedon. Really, this this this, this you're not age. wrong. Yeah. Well, and if, if I'm wrong about the beginning of the movie being the other directors, then it's difficult to tell what seems out of place in the rest of the movie. The rest of it, like it or not like it, none of it seems like it was made for a different film. Whereas Justice League just has a lot of back and forth tonal shifts and that's stuff true. like that, right? Yeah. Um, and I mean, the solo film also had the advantage of them holding off on the trailer until everything. Had been reshot. Yeah, so you right? didn't get a bunch of random scenes that never made it to the movie. Because most of the original Justice League trailer doesn't exist in the movie. Right. Almost all of it. Right. So there's a lot of that too. People can analyze and, and find out, well, this isn't there, what replaced it, and that, that type of thing. Solo just doesn't have that because they waited till the last minute to release anything promotional. Which I think film. hurt them too. Um, and it might have. I mean, we talked about it a lot that like we just we didn't have posters, we didn't have teasers, trailers, nothing. Yeah. You know? Um, so. But that's what it is. I think the movie is much better than people want to admit that it is. I'm not entirely sure why people are hating on it so much. It's because they, they keep saying it's unnecessary. And to an extent, I agree. We don't, like, Han Solo's, you said he's one of your favorite characters, right? And I get that. He's but, cool. But do we, does that really, do we care about that that much? Like, do we need, instead of, like, Obi-Wan, right, who is somebody that obviously has an extremely storied past, whereas Han in the original trilogy, you're just like, He's a smuggler with a really cool ship, and he's really fast and a good pilot. But whereas Obi Wan is like he fought in the Clone Wars, and but we've he did seen all, all of that though. Yeah. Like that's already done, right? So what do you have for Obi Wan? You've got well, he's on Tatooine now. Whatever happened between Episode yeah. Three and Episode Four? Yeah, there's obviously a big shift there. But I guess I guess for me, an Obi Wan film, a Boba Fett film, a Yoda film, a Han Solo film, Rogue One. It all seems about the same to me. I I would agree. Right? It's just which is more interesting to you as a person. Yeah. Right? Do you want the war movie? Do you want the smuggler movie? Do you want the alien Jedi movie? Like I want the Ahsoka movie. Okay. There you go. Ahsoka. (laughs) I I, I just like the fact that it was another... Because you didn't see... You know, while Vader was in uh, Rogue One, there wasn't a lot of, you know, Jedi, Sith interaction, or at least as much as the the standard uh star wars movies and solo was even less of you know that it was more i don't know common people in the star right. wars universe that's who it centered around so that i think i think that's why i'm not taking that away from it it's actually something that i really loved about the movie was that it was such a small it felt like a smaller movie than yeah. everything else and like even the final fight happens in somebody's office like it's yeah. not a big you know climactic battle like it is in everything and else it's not it even tiny... with our main character no and right. so yeah. well, and the stakes are so much lower yeah right because mm-hmm. you're only talking about like if everything fails then like these five people die not an entire planet or anything like that yeah so. well, i guess right. it could have that coaxium went off 
Right. Well, what's the problem? What's the thing with the fuel now? By the way, like fuel was never mentioned in Star yeah. Wars until the Last they Jedi. Had to come up with something when they had to yeah. like just go like this for an hour. Uh, but then in this one, it's like fuel, guys, fuel, fuel, fuel. I think they're just they're trying to explain things. I guess uh, with more detail. They needed something to smuggle. Right? There's so many things. Spice, right? Because but that doesn't have the same kind of punches. A, it's not going to explode. <laughs> well, only because explode. it's not 1400, right? And we're not concerned with spices anymore. Oh, yeah. Clearly. So white people have taken that already. I'm just saying, like, there's other things that exist in the Star Wars universe that aren't, like, starship fuel or whatever they're using this fuel for. You know, that would have been fine. Sounds like portions would have been great. I would have been okay, <laughs> yeah, have been okay with portions. They're trying Just to feed Corellia. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to feed Corellia. That's what I would smuggle. The social but justice droid would go back and the bring thing all is, the though, food. When you bring the... in food, you've changed the tone of what's being smuggled. Because nobody eats in Star Wars? Because, no, because now you're taking food away from people who are going to die. I'm not really okay with food. Like, there's, no, other, but, there's other things so, that exist. So fuel... Kyber like, crystals or, like, all, you know, these other things well, that are very rare. Kyber crystals aren't needed in massive supply. Fly. Sure they are. If you're building a Death Star. Yeah. So the if Empire you have a has all those, factory. right? Like, that's right. the thing, right? Well, like, the Empire was trying to get all this fuel, too, so what's... But, they ha- but they're not involved in any of this. Not directly, but who do you think all that was going to go to, all that fuel? I mean, it's we don't know. They, they showed in, uh, like, The Last Jedi, you can't trust anybody because everybody's working for everybody. And, you know, well, yes. And it, so it's entirely possible that all this fuel was going... Because obviously the Rebellion wanted the fuel... Right at the end, that's sure. the whole thing. So it's, it stands to reason that the Empire would probably want the fuel too. Well, they were stealing from the Empire on the train, yeah, right. But my my point is more of like fuel and Kyber crystals. What's what's the difference from a story perspective? Because they've mentioned Kyber crystals before, and fuel is just like a random thing that they started bringing up. Except that everybody understands the concept. We're debating fuel. something kind of stupid now at this yeah, point. Right. I feel like but... Woody Harrelson was great, guys. He was oh, a yeah, lot of fun. Lo- really good one and done character. He was fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I don't know. I don't know. I just I found his like spinning of all the guns and stuff really annoying and unnecessary. That's a luster. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I okay, funny. Reach for the sky. Stop. No. I was just quoting Woody. Shut that down, Rachel. <laughs> Shut it down. The, uh, I was quoting the other Woody. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. That's where we end our podcast. Oh, no, no, it's not. We have to give our ratings. We, uh, we... Uh, okay. Ryan, rate the movie. Mm, probably like probably a B. Yeah? Yeah. Probably right. It's your highest rated movie this year. Yeah. Probably. I mean, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. and It was much better than... All the other it Star had Wars every movies. right to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, not a perfect movie by any means, but I think it doesn't deserve the hate. Unfortunately, that is getting Robert. I would, uh, you know, only because of a few nitpicky things. I would, but also still kind of high because, which maybe a little personal bias because growing up he was my favorite Star Wars character. Uh, I'd give it an A minus. I'm also going to give it an A minus. Which is my highest rated movie of the year. I am also going to give it an A minus, actually. Wow. Uh, I'm back and forth between a B plus and an A minus, but I really loved it. I think it's the best of the four Disney Star Wars films, um, and it's definitely better than the prequels. Mm. Um, it's always going to be difficult for me to put anything above um, the Empire. original Star Wars and Empire because mm. of what they are. Um, but. Um, you know, I loved it. It was it was a lot of fun. It was really enjoyable. I thought it was really well done in general across the board. And I hope that they do get to do more with this. I do. I want to see these these characters again. I want to see this cast again. 
So Agreed. if you haven't seen it and you listened to all of this, you really should. It's definitely worth checking out. Um, Don't you, let it fail. We want Disney to keep making the Star Wars story movies. Yes, yeah, so we need out. we need more Star Wars movies that are, aren't more episodic. Uh, Skywalker yeah. centered. The Skywalker saga, Jedi in general, or Jedi in general. Yeah, so it's and, nice to see the or different these sides. Jedi's. We need another Death Sphere for them to blow up. The fifth one. So, yeah. yeah. That's the next solo movie. They're going to blow up a not Death Star. It's going to be a Life Star. <laughs> it creates planets of Jar Jar Binkses, and they have to destroy it. Fantastic. That's your new pitch. Yeah. Pitching a Star not Wars movie. <laughs> Jar Jar no, specifically Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, they clone him. All right. Okay. That is going to be it for us. We are the Heroes Podcast Network. You can join us live every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash heroes podcasts. Uh, what are we doing next week? Oh, my God. What, what do we want to adapt next? Really? Is the topic. Is yes. that? Oh, that, that okay. Is the so, topic. yes, we're going to be talking about. <laughs> this one's going to make um, me do some work. I yes. <laughs> Comics, TV, movies, or books, uh, everything that we would like to see on the big screen in the next few years. Fantastic. And we've got some more movie reviews coming up, of course, as well, with things like The Incredibles 2 and Jurassic World, Ant Man and the Wasp. We'll be covering those. And we are going to be starting a new segment called let's rewrite it and we're doing the dceu starting with man of steel we will be rewriting movies to make them what we would have preferred this is a screen heroes thing this is nobody told me about did i okay this did you you miss the meetings apparently i did not get invited to the shareholder meeting this year well just like roger goodell you voted and um (laughs) that's that you guys can no longer kneel on the podcast so um yeah we have opinions um anyway so join us next week for that ryan where can people find you buster props buy his stuff it's good stuff it's really good stuff stuff. thank you robert uh casey vigilante on instagram and facebook hire him for your kids birthday parties he dresses as a cowboy That's true. Yeah, it's, it's a cowboy. It really is. He's, he's, he's just a cowboy. He's a specific so, cowboy. I have other cosplays too, but, but that's that seems to be my most recognizable. So I embrace you it. You named yourself after it, so yeah, of I did. course. Well, I, that's why I, you know it's so recognizable. I just embraced the character. You should. So. Ray, I'm Siren Ray. Support me on Patreon. I need to eat. Fantastic. I am the Star Trek Dude. You can find me on Red Shirts and Runabouts and Gamer Heroes, two other podcasts on the network where we talk about Star Trek and video games respectively. Thanks for tuning in. We will catch you next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.